Welcome to this week's NL full-time. I'm Luke Edwards. It's been another action-packed week in the National League. In midweek, Stockport, they won 3-0 away at Kings Lynn, but the teams behind them slipped up. Halifax, they lost 2-1 to Wrexham. And then I was at Moss Lane to see Alchigan beat Chesterfield, a really obdurate performance from Alchigan, fully deserved to win as well. Chesterfield only really had one shot on target. And the goal scored... The goal scorer it was Matty Kozolo, and I caught up with him after the game. So, Matty, you've got the man of the match uh, champagne in your hand, and uh, what a victory! You got the winning goal. Yeah, um, I think it was very, very lucky goal. I think the keeper had it saved. To be fair, and the pitcher's done me a favour. Um, but as, as as nice as it is to score, to be fair, we wanted to bounce back from Saturday after a disappointing result south end. I mean. It was, a, it was a bit of a non-event the first half, but you were so disciplined, weren't you? And then second half, you came out of the blocks really quick, didn't you? Yeah, I think that's something we focused on, especially um, after the, the bad run we had mid-season. Um, we really focused on sort of being more disciplined and being compact and not wanting to concede early goals and stay in the game as long as possible. And that gives the likes of Koki, Moons, myself, Hanks, AJ, and Jordan, now Jordan to sort of get out there back line and try and get try and get ourselves a goal and then obviously after you got the goal you were really well disciplined weren't you because you knew obviously you were going to get a reaction off Chesterfield but you were I think you only had one shot on target in the end didn't you well that's 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 credit to our midfield and our back line to to sort of nullify them to, to only one shot if that's the stats um, they're up there for a reason they've, I think they've only lost four games I think or five games so um, massive credit to the to the whole club and the team for getting the result and obviously you wore the away kit tonight, the yellow shirts, blue shorts, and I believe your grandfather's Ukrainian as well. So a bit of a, a special goal that with everything that's going on at the minute. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's not with us anymore, but he he come over to the UK um, during during the last war. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a nice nice thing to get to get a goal tonight. My dad was here as well, so uh, I think I think he'll like he'd have enjoyed that. And that was Matty Kozlo, and we'll hear more about. Altrincham in a bit because they took on all the shot. There's no Rob this week, but we have got Chris Pratt with us. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. And uh, yeah, we'll get your thoughts. I know you were commentating with Rob at Altrincham on Saturday, so we'll get your thoughts on that very shortly. And also with us, it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you both. He's uh, just, uh, I know he's up in Leeds and he's just posted a picture of his breakfast. On, and I'm surprised you're not asleep, Dickie, I'll be honest. <laughs> it was a hearty uh, well, breakfast, yeah. fair to say. I know, losing an hour in bed. And then, uh, yeah, we had, went out for a nice curry um, on the outskirts of Leeds last night, which uh, you kind of have to do. We, we, we avoided the, uh, the curry mile in Bradford. But, uh, yeah, I probably should be asleep, but I'm here and I'm glad I'm here. And, uh, yeah. So with the lights said it was partnered partnered up with Manscaped, who were the best in men's below the waist grooming to bring you our Manscaped moment of the weekend. Each one of us will pick a significant moment from this week's National League action across the three divisions. And I know, Chris, me and you are kind of we're in agreement, aren't we? It has to be Wrexham six, Dover five. Not only was it significant for the title race, it was just a crazy game, wasn't it? Uh, it Absolutely mental, wasn't it? I think everyone in the whole, every single follower of the National League probably saw Wrexham go 2-0 up and think, OK, they'll just cruise in third gear. That'll end up 3 or 4-0, maybe 5, something like that. Everyone carries on. It was the expected result, but no. <laughs> Dover had other ideas. 
And, you know, when, when Dover got one back, I thought, well, that's a surprise. And then they got another four. <laughs> yeah. Five, two after, after 63 minutes. Yeah, Michael Gayassi with a hat-trick there, Alfie Pavey and George Wilkinson with a fantastic first goal for Dover. And I was at another game when someone said to me, oh, Wrexham will come back and win that 6-5. Oh, it was Phil Brennan, actually, he was there and he, uh, he said Wrexham will win that 6-5. And, and lo and behold, they did. Oli Palmer got two goals back to make it 5-4. And it was still that score and it went into stoppage time. And then the local boy, Jordan Davis, scored two in stoppage time to win it. And, and as I say, Chris, it's... Um, the fact it was not just a comeback as well, it, it's significant for the title race because I know you feel that that might have been curtains for Wrexham in terms of the title if they hadn't have won that. Well, I think that my first point is that if Phil's listening, I'm going to tap him up for, for lottery numbers <laughs> because what a comeback. I mean, 6-5, un- unbelievable. I do think that um, the title race for Wrexham could have been over in the 90th minute of that game. I was thinking, right, okay, if they've got beat by Dover, that's a bit of a, a body blow after being 2-0 up. Dover already relegated, coming back. But coming coming back to win 6-5 gives the opposite now. It gives them massive... I mean, they've got belief anyway. They've got an amazing squad. They've got momentum. But it'll just, it'll just push them on even further. A bit like Stockport County when they came from um, two behind to beat Wealdstone last week as well. It just gives them oodles of belief that that uh, if there is a slip up they can be there and they can beat anyone I mean it, it was Dover yesterday Dover at bottom of the league I mean I'll talk about Dover in a second but uh, to come back against anyone when you when you're 5-2 down in the second half is is unbelievable Dickie I know you you put a message in the WhatsApp group and kind of contradicted yourself but I got what you meant you know in terms of saying that a team like that wouldn't let Dover get into that position yeah, I mean, that that was my thought. And then uh, I only had to cast my mind back a week to the fact that Stockport were 2-0 down at half-time against Wealdstone and came back to win 4-2. So they've, they've both shown those similar qualities. I mean, I think perhaps that Stockport have shown their capability of grinding out results a little bit more. You know, they've, they've had some one nils where, you know, the goal's been scored. It's been an own goal scored by the opposition, but they've still got the job done. Um, and I think that was probably what was affecting my thinking. But yeah, Chris, you're, you're spot on about... Wrexham yesterday, they they were, um, you know, five two down is is an incredible uh, to, to come back and win it the way they did is is quite magnificent really. Um, I suspect you were going to give credit to to Dover. I mean, I won't steal your thunder on that one, but uh, you know, it just shows you that the, the pressure that that Dover have been playing under this season, the yoke of that twelve point deduction on their backs every time they go out there. Um, you know, that's lifted now. It's not been lifted in a way that people would necessarily have chosen. Um, but it just shows you what happened when players relax. Um, and, and that's why this point of the season is so difficult to call, really, because you can look at teams in mid-table and go, oh, they've got nothing to play for. I think teams with not much to play for, that, that's what makes them dangerous, because they can just go out and enjoy themselves. Um, you know, I'm sure Dover wouldn't have enjoyed eventually losing 6-5 yesterday, but, you know, there must have been moments in that game yesterday, particularly, you know, going so far ahead against a team like Wrexham, that must have felt like the best moments of the entire season for Dover and for their fans. One thing that they haven't done 
he's just giving up fighting. I saw that for myself when they came to Edgeley Park and they were they were unfortunate to lose with a, a late goal, a late um late goal from County in front of the Cheadle and and they haven't given up fighting. In that game, they've got everyone behind the ball and they tried to hit County on the break when they when they got a chance. Doesn't sound like that's what happened yesterday at Wrexham. It sounds like they they surely must have been playing a quite an expansive brand of football. I mean, for there to be 11 goals in the game. So, no, credit to them. I think the, the 6-0 at, at Barnet um, a few weeks ago was was not representative of the defeats that they've had this season. And, um, you know, without wanting to sound sort of condescending, but you know, fair play for them to be, to be carrying on in the situation that they're in. Yeah, I think... Uh defensive coaches all over the place will be having cold sweats if they watch the highlights of that game, I'm guessing. <laughs> but they're all having goals. Uh, oh, they'll be, yeah, they'll be a, it'll be a horrible day for them. Uh, Dickie, what's your uh, moment of the weekend? Is it is it similar to ours? Or I know you suggested another one. You're on mute. You're on mute, mate. No, I'm going to go a little bit left field on my choice. Uh, it, it's just that it's a, a nice, warm, Cuddly story, um, you know, at this at the point of the season where it's six pointers here and six pointers there, and all the drama. Just a reminder that that um, about the people who play the game, really. And, and it was a story from York City yesterday, uh, National League North. Um, Paddy McLaughlin, um, their midfielder, who also has a role as a uh, in the sports science department at York, um, came off at halftime of their game, and I suspect many of their fans maybe just thought it was a tactical change or whatever. Um, He'd actually dashed off to be uh, at the hospital with his uh, wife for the birth of their child, uh, Finn Daniel McLaughlin, born at 11 minutes past six uh, yesterday evening. Um, I I really, really hope Paddy made it to the hospital in time. I suspect he did. Um, It's Mother's Day today, Father's Day yesterday for him. Um, I just think that's a really nice, uh, say, warm, cuddly story, sort of like, um, give me a bit of a kick in for that one if you want, but it's just a, a nice reminder of the human side of football. No, absolutely, a good, a good different story, and that's what that's what it's all about. And we were sent the uh, the Manscaped products. Really, really enjoyed it. I must say, we, the Weed Whacker is very good, especially as we're all getting older, sprouting a few nose and ear hairs as well. Uh, and the lawnmower, well, you can just trim everything with it. It's their lawnmower. 4.0 trimmer and it's not just for men as well ladies you can also use the lawnmower 4.0 and to do so and get 20% off at Manscaped plus free shipping enter the promo code NLFULTIME at manscaped.com let's move on and look at the rest of the National League and Chris Stockport County a very comfortable win for them in the end it did take them a while but they got the job, job done down at Eastleigh yeah and what they do really well uh, Stockport this season is obviously win games. But the other thing is, once they get ahead in games, and Dave Challoner alluded to this in his in his interviews, that they manage them fantastically well. So they, they, they quash any attempts from the opposition to, to get back into the game. And that's what they that's what they did yesterday. Um personally for me it was good to see Liam Hogan um getting on the getting on the score sheet. He's been rejuvenated. He had a difficult time um, sort of halfway through this season where he was so out of form. I think he scored the, a really terrible own goal. I forget who it was against now. Uh, but he's come back and he's, he's been fantastically well. And uh, his playing celebration has gone down very well with, uh, with a lot of Stockport County fans. In second place, 
Uh, it's Wrexham who, as we mentioned, had that cracking win against Dover. That's because Chesterfield and Halifax have struggled in the last couple of games. Chesterfield, as I mentioned, lost 1-0 at Aldrigham in midweek. And then they had the big game against Notts County on Saturday, which is live on BT Sport. And all the Chesterfield forum was uh, was buzzing looking forward to this game, although the Aldrigham result took some gloss off it a little bit and it felt like they had to win to stand any chance of catching Stockport. And uh, they took the lead on 13 minutes through Alex Whittle before Kyle Wooten equalised in first half stoppage time. So probably a better point for Notts County than it was for Chesterfield. Yeah, I think so. I think if you look at uh, look at where they are in the table, um, obviously Notts County will be desperate to, to get in those playoffs. Chesterfield, yes, they have gone off the ball. We know, I mean, we've talked a million times about what's happened at Chesterfield. You saw them on, on Tuesday night, so I'll be interested in, I might throw the question back to you in a minute as well, Luke, about what you thought about them. I just want to make a, a, a comment on, on this game and the fact that it was on, on TV at, at three o'clock as well, which you know, there's a lot, a lot of good things about that, but I think for for me as well that there's probably a lot of National League fans who look forward to that five twenty game to 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 watch the other teams in action after they've been to watch those. And I haven't seen the game because it was on whilst we were we were at a match. Mm. Um, obviously, the the flip side of that is you know, hopefully it gets a bigger audience and a wider audience. And BT obviously want to expand the. The, the, the reach of the National League. So I'm, I'm certainly not knocking him. Um, but yeah, Luke, what did you think about Chesterfield on, on Tuesday night? They were pretty dreadful, if I'm honest. <laughs> they were, it was really surprised. They had a lot of possession first half. Didn't really get a shot on target. Altrincham were looking to contain almost, and they almost stopped attacking themselves, Altrincham. And then second half, they came out with a lot more positive intent. I mean, they backed off Matty Kozolo, who had the shot, and it was really unfortunate for Scott Loach. It took a bobble and bounced over, over him, really. Probably would have saved the shot. But after that, there was no real response from Chesterfield until late on, until they brought on Calvin Miller, and they were getting a few crosses in. There was one kind of half cleared off the line. It was within, like, the six-yard box. And then Liam Mandeville had a shot blocked at the end by Tony Thompson. But they were, they were really flat, and... Um, I know there's been the odd sort of question, and I know I've questioned it in terms of everyone's, there's a lot on the forum saying, well, you got to back Paul Cook, he's one league, one with Chesterfield. But the big thing was, he's always had Liam Richardson by his side. Liam Richardson's at Wigan now doing really, really well. And he didn't have Liam Richardson at Ipswich, didn't really do well there. He's not exactly ripped up any trees at Chesterfield at the minute. I know they've got injuries as well. He said they're down to the bare bones and he's not really brought anyone in. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the season pans out. You'd imagine... Paul Cook will still be there next season, even if they don't go up. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in the summer. Yeah, and I think, well, one thing's for certain, they are going to be in a playoff as well, aren't they? So they are going to have the the opportunity to go up. So if you can, it's often the sides who get that momentum, isn't it? We're going to the playoffs off the back of, you know, being undefeated in three or four games or something like that, who do well. So if they can get them going for then, um, that's all that matters really from now on. Yeah, behind them, Halifax, it's back-to-back defeat for them. And I think, Chris, have we seen this uh, have we seen this script before where Halifax get in a really good position in the playoffs and then, and then blow it? The fans will be hoping not, but they lost at Wrexham, as I say, midweek. And then a really surprising defeat at Kingsland. Matty Warburton missed a penalty at 0-0. And then Kingsland scored two second-half goals through Josh Barrett and Gold Amatoyo. And that's probably the surprising result of the day. 
Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? Um, maybe, I don't know, I haven't seen Halifax for a few weeks, but maybe that, that defeat on Tuesday night against Wrexham really knocked their confidence because before that they were, they were going fantastically well. I think it's fair to say that of all the teams who are up there and challenging, Halifax were probably the one who are punching above the weight more than any of the others. And um, yeah, maybe maybe this was just a week too far for them. Uh, Kingsland is, is a difficult place to go. I know a lot of teams have, got, have gone there and, and got results this season. They would have been disappointed with their performance. Maybe not the result on Tuesday night against Stockport County, where, where they were beaten uh, by a few goals to nil. But I think they would have been disappointed in the nature of their performance in that game. And I think um, a few of the locals may have G'd them up against uh, against Halifax yesterday. So, yeah, it is a, it is a surprising result, that one. And I think that may be Halifax's title challenge done now. Solihull Moors are going well. They had an entertaining game down at Woking. They fell behind to Inni Effiong. Harry Boys equalised on 40 minutes. Inni Effiong got his second. Adam Rooney got the equaliser before. Ryan Barnett, somebody who Dickie knows really well, got the winner there and... You must have been quite pleased for him, Dickie. I know you know the family well, and he got a vital winner for his team. Yeah, I think it's the second time um, that uh, Ryan's turned up with um, a winning goal quite late in the game for Solihull today, so or, or in recent weeks. So he's he's helping to keep their playoff track uh, um, charge on track, which is uh, which is great to see. Um, and yeah, he's turning in some good performances, but you know, I would say that goes for the the, the, the whole of the Solihull team. I saw um, uh, Paul Hurst in midweek because uh, Solihull had a two-one win at Grimsby, um, and it, uh, he was just—I think he was just trying to calm expectations a little bit amongst Grimsby fans. By I'm sure we'll come on to their result in a minute, but by saying that you know, people, um, yes, Grimsby are a former football league team, but people need to realise the league that they're in and who they're competing against for players. Um, said that, you know, he, he knows that Solihull have got players who were getting paid more than, than Grimsby's players are. Um, and that, you know, that there was um, somebody he tried to take to Grimsby who instead chose Solihull um, over them instead. And I think he was just trying to make the point that as much as, you know, people might deride Solihull for, you know, the fact there's only 25, 30 away fans, things like that. But I think he was trying to get their fans to look past that and say, you know, they're putting investment in there. They've got a good team there. That's the calibre of team we're up against. And, and this isn't an easy division. Um, you know, whether Grimsby fans take that on board or not, um, I'm sure some of them will. I'm sure some of them will still feel that, you know, they, they, they should be higher in the table than they are or maybe shouldn't even be in the National League at all. Yeah, well, the, uh, they would have been happy on Saturday. They won 2-0 against Dagenham and Redbridge. Jordan Maguire drew and Luke Waterfall with the goals there before a goal back late on for Dagenham from Elliot Johnson. Uh, we're going to move on and look at the bottom. So Kingsland have now leapfrogged Weymouth after that win over Halifax. Weymouth lost once again 3-0 down at Torquay. And just above them, uh, Aldershot. And I know, Chris, you saw them at Altrincham. What did you make of it? Well, the game, considering that Altrincham were coming in off the back of four home victories, the first half was was pretty even, and to be honest, it was pretty turgid. But then Aldershot came to to spoil the game for for um, for Altrincham, and they came to try and um, pick up any scraps that that they may that they may uh, be given by the Altrincham team. So it wasn't the it wasn't the most entertaining of first halves. The game came alive 
after about 70 minutes. Dan Mooney, who got the goal in the end in the 87th minute for, for Altrincham. Well, I spoke to Phil Parkinson about him, as you'll hear. And uh, he was just inspired in, in the second half. He was running at the Aldershot defence, which no one had done really in the first half from um, either team. And he ended up getting rewarded with a, a heavily deflected goal, in fairness. It, Ethan Ross was just stranded. There was there was nothing that he could do about it. From an Aldershot point of view, I think they've got enough to stay up. Uh, the seven points clear and they've got a, a game in hand on Kings Lynn, who are in that last uh, relegation space. I think they've got enough... I think they need to try and find a way to score goals because whilst they were they were spoiling Altrincham efforts, it took them until very late in the game before they they made any opportunities of of any note that they could possibly score from. So they need to find a, a solution to that to try and uh, pick up a few little one nilers um, that that uh, that were happening um, when Mark Mosley first came in. Uh, but apart from that. If I just turn to, to Altrincham for a second, I did speak to their manager, Phil Parkinson, at the end of the game and, and asked him his thoughts on uh, where the club were going. So, Phil, is there anything better than getting a late winner? No, I don't think there is, is there? <laughs> it's very satisfying, especially with the nature of the game, the way all the shots set up, 5-4-1. Um, it came for a point, it felt like. I don't know how it looked to you guys, but it certainly felt that way to me. Like, really took the time with the goal kicks, the throw in. So, for me, um, a little bit of justice there. I know it's not nice when you're on the receiving end, but I'd like to think if we'd set up like that, I'd be in despair if we'd, uh, we'd conceded at the end. So, got just rewards for being as positive as we could all the way through. And, um, like I said, really delighted to get that winner at the end. And in the second half, Dan Mooney in particular looked like he'd uh, <laughs> he'd had some at half time. He was he was all over the place. Well, he had he had a few words, yeah, because uh, we were asking could he make a few more runs, um, and it, it worked for him. I mean, he's just a little bit more positive. Uh, we our wingers are fantastic. We've got I think we've got two of the best, uh, if not more, um, with regards to the best wingers in the league. So when they're on it, it gives us a real good outlet and it gives us a goal threat. And I didn't feel we were able to do that. And it, a lot of that was down to the way all the shots set up. And we've got to give him full credit for that. But I just felt we didn't get our wingers going enough. And luckily, we could get Dan going more in the second half. And it looked like he was unfortunate with the penalty appeal. And he's made Ethan make a real good save on one of his efforts. I think there was only that save made in the game. That's how drab it was, really. It was a really frustrating afternoon. But um, like I said, yeah, he got his rewards for being really positive in the second half. Just a few words about the club and where you are in the league and it was non-league day. You've had a lot of young fans here today. It was a, The sun was out, so apart from the match in the first half, it was good in the second half, but tell us a little bit about where this club's going. Well, it's going in the right direction. It always has since myself and Neil have come in. Um, we knew what the remit was here to to get back to this, this level of football, but now we've got to this level of football... Um, I think we, we can all see what's required in terms of the transition into full-time. Now, whether that happens or not is another matter because that requires significant investment. If we don't, we'll, we'll do it as well as what we can. As, as you've seen at the moment, our lads don't look like they're part-time players compared to full-time players. So we're doing something right with them, but we know that bit of extra time could really take us to the next level. So looking at this division, how strong it is, the money invested in it, that, that's for me got to be the nat- natural step for Ultraman Football Club if they want to keep going. If not, there's a ceiling and, and this could be it for us, but I'd like to think with the ambition of the board and certainly uh, our ambition as a management team, we don't want to just stay in this division. We'll keep driving forward. 
and you're turning this place into a bit of a fortress. That's five in five now, isn't it? I mean, what is it about this place that you've made it so difficult to come and get points? I think we believe in what we do. We we have a way of playing that I know. Hey, we had Chesterfield here on Tuesday, and we didn't set up to to defend like Aldershot did today. We set up to try and win the game. We had to do a lot of defending because of how strong Chesterfield are. So we, we we've just probably done that a lot better in terms of where you say making it a, a difficult place to come. I think teams wouldn't look forward to coming here anyway with the brand of football we play. We're, we're a team who are going to try and beat you. We're not a team who's just going to try and uh, shut you out and get a result. Um, and we, we've identified the area of the pitch that we needed to to address and people like young Harry here and, and some of the other lads we brought in like Carl Ferguson, Jake Cooper it, it, it's done the trick so we're in a transitional period and those are the types of players who we need to help move this club forward Yeah and it's a, the club's in a good place isn't it and I know me and Dickie have spoken about this over the last few weeks Chris but they've got the good form back and a lot of it is down to the players that got them promoted I know he's he tried a lot of loan players and it, it didn't really work I know they, they were COVID affected and had to bring in some players but since they've gone back to kind of the place they've gotten promoted, they look a lot more settled and they're on a good run, aren't they? Yeah, he's got a team. He's got a team of people he trusts, doesn't he? Uh, I think Phil Parkinson. I mean, Jake Malt came on for something like his four hundred and forty seventh appearance yesterday. I think, and that's not exaggerating. I think that that was the number. Someone, I'm sure, will will correct me if I'm wrong. But he knows the players that he likes. He he trusts those players um, to play, and they, they've got flair in there as well. You saw Matty Coslow, you know, take a shot from the edge of the area and win the game, albeit with that with that bounce that that everyone's probably seen on on social media. He's got Dan Mooney who can run at people. I thought Aldershot kept Ryan Colclough quite quiet yesterday. Uh, however, he's another one who can who can go and win a match and. Aside from that, the rock solid at the back as well, so not a bad combination. He speak he spoke about uh, the full time question. You know, does it happen or does it not happen? Our um, conversations happening and and things like that to, as to whether it will happen. Um, personal view on that is that uh, do Altrincham need to need to go full time or do they need to be one of these teams who pick up the best of of part time players? Because as Phil Parkinson said when I was talking to him himself, they don't look like they are. They have got part time players at that club at the moment. No, so it'd be a case of watch this space for Altrincham. Uh, Bromley they've got two games in hand on the teams above them, but they could only draw one one at Wheelstone and are we ruling them out of the playoff race? Of the playoff race, I think, I don't think we can because they've got two games in hand on uh, Grimsby who are currently occupying that last playoff space and they're only uh, five points behind. So if they win them, they're in it, aren't they? Um, What I would say is that I'm quite surprised at their form over recent weeks. I didn't think that they would be one of the teams who would... uh, whose form would would drop off. I thought that, that they would now be firmly in, in a playoff place. So on form, maybe it's difficult to see them getting back, but on paper, you know, they, they could still get back into that. Yeah, Yeovil, they beat Southend by two, two goals to nil. Ruben Reed and Tom Knowles with the goals there. Maidenhead lost at home 2-1 to Barnet. All the goals coming in the second half. Adam Marriott and Reese Gregor-Cox, who signed on loan from Crawley. He's... They got the goal. Sean McCloskey with a goal late on there. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Cheers. Thanks, everyone.
he's off there and uh, he's off to do his Mother's Day duties. Enjoy the rest of Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm actually off to work. <laughs> oh, are you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that might be the kind of Mother's Day that Jackie would like. <laughs> Get Chris out of the house, but there we go. We're going to move on and look at the National League North. If I can do it, you can do it. Get support to start the fight back to a healthier you. Download the free Couch to 5K app now. Better health. Let's do this. And then the National League North, uh, a big six-pointer. At the bottom, we're going to start there this week. And I know it's a game you were at, Dick. It was Farsley against Telford. And uh, for a while, it was looking like Farsley might take the points, but in the end, Telford came back. Yeah, they did. Uh, a 1-1 draw. Um, it, it, it's a difficult one. I, it, looking at this result now... Um, I know there was a lot of importance placed upon it and some people were seeing it as a, a must-win game, a must-win game for both sides. Um, I know when I spoke to Paul Carden after the game, the Telford manager, he said he certainly hadn't viewed it that way. He said he did see it as a must-not-lose, but said we hadn't set up just to hang on to a point. We did set out um, to get more than that, but with the minimum aim that we shouldn't get beat. And I suppose they achieved that, but... Um, it just loads the importance onto the games that follow in the subsequent weeks, really, in that neither of these sides has made. Um, I don't think it ever was going to be a decisive break for um, safety made yesterday, even if either side had got three points. But it's a big psychological blow. Um, yeah, Luke Parkin put Farsley ahead in the first half. The first half that they did have the better of. Um, but then Telford made some um, pretty good substitutions in the last half hour that gave them a lot more zip, a lot more energy. Um, and Devon Green got headed them level in the 75th minute. Um, and it was one of those afterwards where we were kind of looking at one another going, "We don't. is that a good point or not? We don't know. You know, a, a point away from home is always sort of deemed to be a decent result. Um, but how good it is, I think we'll, we'll see later on in the season. Um, I mean, that did change the picture slightly at the bottom in that there was a, a defeat for Bly Spartans at home to Hereford by four goals to one, which meant that um, Telford's point drew them level with them, took Telford up into 19th and dropped Blythe to 20th. I think the three teams below Telford have got games in hand, although some of those games in hand are actually against one another. I know that um, Guysley play Farsley week on Tuesday, April the 5th. That's a huge game um, at the Citadel. I think Farsley have still got to play Blythe as well. I know Telford's next two fixtures are against Gloucester and Blythe, who are the teams that, 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 you know, the two teams immediately either side of them. So really, it's just so close to call down at the bottom and only is thing, something like three or four points separating five teams. Yeah, as you say, results probably went for both Farsley and Telford because guys lost 2-0 at home to Chester and as you say Blythe were thumped at home by Hereford by four goals to one yeah they were and that you know that game um, that, that Blythe perhaps you know didn't exactly run with the white flag um, they were 3-0 down after half an hour a goal from Ryan McLean and then two goals for Tom Owen Evans, um, those two have been standout performers for Hereford this season. Lewis McNall got a goal back right on the stroke of half-time. But yeah, fourth goal um, added in the uh, second half from Harry Pinchard, put the game well out of Blythe's reach. And it's a really funny one with Blythe. Um, I think in their last 10 games, they lost eight. They've got two wins. Um, you know, a really surprising one away at Chorley a few weeks ago. They went to Southport and won 3-2. So, uh, you know, they are capable of pulling out a surprising result like that you wonder how much of that is perhaps that the opposition that they're playing think this might be easy it's that down at the bottom and don't you know give it their full attention um 
but Bly's form is poor. Um, so that's got to be a big concern for them in that. But, you know, if you can pull out a big win like that in an unexpected place every now and again, particularly at this stage of the season, you know, that could that could change things for you. So, yeah, it really is too close to call. Up at the top, there was a... Well, you'd have backed Gateshead to beat Bradford Park, haven't you? You've got nothing really to play for. But in the end, it was a stalemate, quite a surprising result. Very surprising result, yeah. I mean, given Gateshead's um, home form, I think they've... Um, at home this season, I think they've they've lost twice, but won every other game they've played there. I think the only two teams that have gone there and got points are teams that are close to the top of the table. So, yeah, this looked like a guaranteed three points for Gateshead yesterday, but... Really solid performance from Bradford Park Avenue to go there and frustrate a forward line that is absolutely full of goals um, with Gateshead. Um, it looked at one point as though Brackley were, I wouldn't exactly say um, a pole position, but with a game in hand and with them uh, having a 1-0 lead away at Spennymore at the time, it did look as if they were going to be closing that gap um, down to just, I think, would it have been a single point with a game in hand, which would have meant Brackley win their game in hand, they would have gone ahead. But, um, yeah, an equaliser really late in the game for spending more there from Jude Oyebo in the second minute of injury time. Um, made, it was a 1-1 draw and just a point away from home from Brackley. Danny Lewis also saved a penalty for Brackley in the first half when they had a 1-0 lead. Um, they, uh, I think it must have been Glenn Taylor that took the penalties, usually the regular penalty taker at Spennymore. He denied him. Lee and Love had already put them in the lead and Love scored the winner in each of their last two 1-0 wins. So he's a man who's proven to be a real game-breaker for them at the moment. But yeah, it didn't quite have that um, effect yesterday. Saw a great photograph at the end of the game as well, taken by uh, Dave Nelson, Spennymore Town's photographer, of both teams at the final whistle, pretty much almost all flat on the floor, just absolutely spent after a real sort of battle and the drama at the end. Um, and I would imagine it was a game that, that, that all those present really enjoyed on that basis. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, Anthony Johnson and Bernard Moller would be saying hey Jude at the end of it as well, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard their singing voices, but, you know, perhaps we might get them on, find out. Well, there was a, an interesting subplot, wasn't the James Rowe going back to Gloucester where he, He'd done a good job for them and before he left to go to Chesterfield, but returned to Gloucester and returned winless in the end. Yes, he did. I mean, this was a this was a big result affecting both the, the top and the bottom of the table. I mean, I've had a quick look at Gloucester's recent form. Gloucester's recent form is pretty good. I think in the form table over the last 10 games, they're easily in the top half of the form table. Um Looking at it, I would say I think Gloucester are probably doing enough to make themselves safe at the moment. And this win yesterday would have absolutely helped. Uh, Lucas Tomlinson with a goal in the fourth minute of the game. And yet yeah, to deny Foiled um, uh, from scoring, you know, with, with the talent that they've got over the rest of the game, really big effort from Gloucester. Whether there would have been any extra motivation seeing that their former manager, who's, uh, you know, departure from Gloucester, I wouldn't say it was the, the the friendliest, you know what I mean? I don't think he could turn down the opportunity to go to Chesterfield, but I think perhaps the, the way that some of the players subsequently left Gloucester and went to Chesterfield might have left a bit of a sour taste. I mean, those players aren't at fault now, but the, the, the man who, who took them to Chesterfield um, was on the touchline, and whether that just provided a little bit of a extra motivation for them, I don't know, but a really, really good result for Gloucester yesterday. Um and a poor one for Fold, given that, that they'd had a couple of wins recently. 
I think they're, they're, they're safely a playoff side, but I think Foyle will be gunning for that second or third place to give themselves home advantage in the playoffs for as many games as possible, which I think every team in the playoff positions will be looking to do now. Yeah, K- Kidderminster are back as well. Dickie had a thumping win over Curzon. Yeah, they did. Kidderminster's form has been pretty poor since the, the FA Cup uh, exit to West Ham. We, we've touched on that in previous weeks. But uh, yeah, they were bang back at it yesterday. They've taken um, Matt Stenson on loan from Halifax Town, a player I know from his time at Leamington and Telford. He had a spell at Tamworth earlier in the season. He's been coming back from an injury. He wasn't on the score sheet yesterday. Um, but yeah, an own goal from Jordan Lussie got um, uh, Kidderminster on the board. And then in the second half, they just ran away with it. Two goals from Amari Morgan-Smith, Kaziah Martin uh, in the 85th minute, and then Sam Austin putting the gloss on it with a fifth goal in the fourth minute of uh, injury time. Yeah, and, you know, a blow for Curzon. Curzon had a blow in the week as as well, of course. They lost uh, central defender Harry Flowers. He's joined Telford now. Um which we didn't touch on, you know, Paul Carden strengthening his hand there and, you know, potentially weakening, weakening another side in the division. Um, I'm not going to say a 5-0 defeat is entirely down to him being missing. Um, but, uh, yeah, and that's a bit of a blow for Curzon's lingering hopes of making the playoffs too. Yeah, Charlie, very up and down period for them at the minute. They lost again at Kettering and York are now only a point behind them after winning 1-0 against Leamington. York leapfrog Southport, who drew 2-2. Yeah, they did. I mean, Kettering are a, are a competitive side on their own turf um, and surely their form is a bit indifferent at the moment. They are still in the playoff places, but they if they get into them, um, they're not going to be going into them on the, in, the, in the greatest form if this continues at the moment. Uh, two goals from defenders yesterday for Kettering, Chris Smith and Connor Johnson. Um, another Connor, Connor Hall, got a goal back for Chorley in the 75th minute. But uh, yeah, a, a disappointing defeat for Jamie Vimiglio's side there. York City, they got back on track a little bit. Um, a 1-0 win. They confirmed John Askey as their new permanent manager in the week as well. So it, it's it's generally been, um, it's been a real season of two halves for York. First half of the season was pretty poor um, since John Askey took over just before Christmas. They've hugely improved. Seeing him made permanent manager is not a surprise at all. And Kurt Willoughby scored their winner in the 65th minute yesterday over at a Leamington side who um, I actually looked at the away form and Leamington's mid-table position is built pretty much on being strong on their own ground because away from home, they really don't pick up very many points at all. So um, yeah, not an entirely surprising result. Of course, we got that lovely little story I mentioned earlier as well about Paddy McLaughlin. So, um, and with an FA Trophy semi-final against Bromley coming up, it's all smiles at the moment at York City. Yeah, absolutely. And as we mentioned, Southport in that last uh, playoff spot, Hereford just behind them. We mentioned their result earlier as well. A good win away at Blythe. Darlington against Boston United, two sides who probably underwhelmed a little bit this year. And it was Darlington who... Got a good result against Boston in the end. Boston, you came off the back of that win against York in midweek. Yeah, they did. I mean, um, uh, Boston had their first defeat last weekend under Paul Cox, as we mentioned. Um, they rebounded from that with a, with a win at York in midweek, which ended York's unbeaten run at something like 12 or 13 matches. So that was a great result for Boston. Um, not such a good day for them yesterday, losing 2-1. Um, goals fairly early on in the game from uh, David Wheater uh, and Jack Lambert had Darlington. 2-0 ahead. Danny Elliott from the penalty spot. He's pretty reliable from the penalty spot. He's amongst the top scorers. There was a fair chunk of penalties amongst them. 
but you know you've got to have the confidence to put them away and he does and that brought the deficit back to 2-1 um any chances of Boston sort of like throwing the kitchen sink at it were probably harmed by Captain Luke Shields getting a red card in the 79th minute. It will also feel really positive for Darlington as well that they've done that, um, given that they've had a little bit of, um, I wouldn't say turmoil this week, but they lost a key figure in their uh, midfield, Will Hatfield. He joined Filed two days before the transfer deadline in a move, which I think took a lot of people by surprise. He actually scored their winner for them in their first in his first game on Tuesday night as well. They got a 1-0 win um, and he got the goal. Um I know uh, Darlington have brought in Don McHale from Telford on loan for the rest of the season as well. Um, they're, they're pretty pleased to have him on board as far as I can tell. And a, yeah, really positive result for them yesterday. So we're going to move on and look at the National League South. And it was a dramatic winner at Maidstone on Saturday. They took on St Albans. They went 2-0 up through San Carm and Jerome Binham-Williams after just seven minutes. But Sean Jeffers was back amongst the goals. He got two goals to draw St Albans level. And it looked like they'd come away with a precious point. But Jack Powell, in the sixth minute of stoppage time, got the winner there for Maidstone. Dawkins, they took on Ebsfleet. There was two first-half goals within three minutes of each other. James McShane opened the scoring for, Dark, for Dawkins. And Rakish Bingham equalised just three minutes later. And Dartford, they went away at Hemel Hempstead. So again, all tight at the top. Um, Dartford nine points behind Maidstone. But that was a vital win for Maidstone, considering Dorking only drew. Yeah, it was. It's extended the lead at the top to four points. You know, that would have been um, just two if it had stayed at two each. But um Four points, you know, it's not a decisive gap. Absolutely not. I'm sure there's more twists and turns in this. But, you know, to to get a, a winner in something like the 96th minute um, to, to seal all three points is going to feel absolutely fantastic. We, we touched on it when we spoke about the National League, you know, about Stockport coming from behind to win, Wrexham coming from behind to win. Any kind of win achieved in like a dramatic circumstances like this at this point of the season can only strengthen belief in teams that, you know, that they've got what it takes to to get all the way across the line. And Maidstone um, have certainly put themselves in a good position now. Yeah, the, the informed team in the National League South or Eastbourne, another win for them, 2-0 at home to Bath City and Charlie, Can- Charlie Kendall and Jordan Perez on the score sheet there. They're absolutely flying. They're only two points now behind Ebsley, although they have played a game more and we talked about the tightness of the playoff race. Oxford City didn't play, but they're still in the playoff race. And in that last playoff spot is Dulwich Hamlet, who only drew 2-2 away at Concord. Uh, and again, there was a late goal there in Essex. Danny Green with a penalty there late on for Concord to blunt Dulwich Hamlet, who are in the last playoff spot. They are quite a way behind Oxford City, though. Uh, St Albans are now just point behind Dulwich Hamlet, but as I say, they couldn't take advantage. It, that, that was actually five straight defeats for St Albans, despite putting in a good performance at Maidstone. Uh, down at the bottom, uh, it's, it's hotting up. Billericay there, good form, continues. Uh, draw at home away at Haven and Waterlooville. Someone wouldn't have predicted a few weeks ago, would we? I mean, I know Haven are having the best season, but you just still expect him to beat Billericay. But there's a sort of a new belief about Billericay now. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they've climbed out of that um, that last position. Uh, admittedly, only on goal difference. They're level on 30 points with Welling and have dropped them into uh, 21st. It, it isn't something we saw a few weeks ago, but, you know, it, 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 what's turned it around for them? It, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, Rob was down there a couple of weeks ago, um, saw them win, I think, the night he was there. And, you know, whether it is just the, um, you know, seeing the trap door open behind you and 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 that realization that you, you need to pull something out of the bag that's motivated them i really don't know but it, it is very very close at the bottom i mean chelmsford only a point ahead of those two on exactly the number of games played bath have played a game more and are, are only on 33 so I wouldn't necessarily say that, it, you know, it's going to be either Billericay or Welling at the moment. There's other teams that could drop into that position. Um, of course, there's a game fewer in the South as well, because it only being a 21 team division this year. So we're looking at it as being the, um, it's out of 40 results at the end of the season. Um, you know, seven or eight games to go for most sides. It can still change yet. The game of the day was down at Hemel Hempstead. What a dramatic game there. They were 2-1 up at half-time. Two goals from Pierre Foncou had them ahead uh, with the equaliser for Tombridge from Teddy Perkins. Then James Taylor, he bagged a double, coupled in between a goal from Jack Westbrook. So that was 3-3. In amongst that, Craig Fasamade got sent off. Uh, Taylor made it 3-3, as I said. And then there was a, a winner in the fifth minute of stoppage time from Christopher Paul before a second red card for Hamill Hempstead. Josh Nembard got his marching orders. And again, I think you mentioned about Spenny Moore and Brackley, both players on the floor after that and the crowd being entertained. If you've gone along as a neutral to non-league day to Hamill Hempstead, I think you've, you've got your money's worth, haven't you? Oh, absolutely you did. I mean, let's hope that, that people certainly did that. I mean, Tunbridge, you know, they're going to feel pretty awful having, um, you know, come back and level that game. Uh, one each, two each, three each, and still don't take anything away from it, and particularly with the other side getting two red cards. I mean, they did come late in the game, but yeah, that that's absolutely fantastic entertainment down there. So I'm sure that won't be a comfort to uh, Tunbridge Angels players, management fans this morning. They'll probably feel a bit sick about that one. Um, but yeah, they've contributed to a, a terrific uh, game. Yeah, Chelmsford's bad run continues. They lost 2-0 at home to Hungerford. It was that man, Ryan Seeger, two goals in the second half from him and Hungerford are just outside the playoff places. And Braintree, they're definitely safe now. I think we can say that they're safe. They got a good win away at Slough. Gianni Critchlow opened the scoring on 37 minutes before Stefan Illich sealed the deal on 64. And a remarkable turnaround of fortunes for Braintree, Dickie. Yes, it is. They've, um, you know, they've they've pulled away um, now, and, and are looking. You know, they're not one of the teams that I've mentioned in that picture there. And given where they were the, uh, a few months ago, that that is a great turnaround for them. Um, and and you know, w- w- well done to them for for where they've got themselves into. You know, it's not easy when you're down at the bottom to gain momentum and pull yourself away from it, particularly in a division like the South, where it seems like. Um, <sighs> Every week we've been talking about a different team as being the one that's in form, the one that looks like they might come through. And, you know, nobody seems to want to reach it, um, uh, you know, reach out and grab it in that division, it seems. Um, but, but that's why it, it, it's great to, you know, 
be looking at it every week and and, and trying to work out what's going to happen next because genuinely we just can't work out what's going to happen next. England C coming up this week. Uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to Carnarvon to watch the game. And uh, Dickie, I think I think Paul Fairclough will be nervously hoping his phone doesn't ring, hoping there's no more pullouts. Yeah, I would think so. I would think today might well be um, a busy day for the the England C management. You know, working out who is actually going to be arriving at the team hotel tomorrow. I think is when they're assembling. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I do imagine there might be one or two um, late call-ups that happen. Um, you know, they might have factored that in in their original selection. I mean, absolutely fair play to them for going for pretty much the strongest um, squad that they that you know they felt that they could select. And maybe as I said, they've done that in the expectation that they will lose a few. I guess on a smaller scale, that's the, that's international management for you, isn't it? You know, it's how many times over the years have we spoken about um, international managers not being able to pick the teams they want to because, you know, players get injured, um, clubs are sometimes a bit reluctant to let players go. We really hope that's not been the case with this because, you know, the England Sea Games, is, uh, 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 I think the thing we've spoken about it being pitted against the, the, the Welsh Premier side is a, a, a really fascinating angle on this, you know, you know looking at the, the relative strength of the, 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 the two leagues um, and it's a great shot window I mean I've no doubt whatsoever on Wednesday evening that we'll probably be um, scouts from all over at that game um, probably from football league sides taking a look at some of those players um, uh, it's a great shot window for them and it, it should be a really good occasion, I know the crowd at um, Carnarvon are really passionate they're really passionate about their own team. And I think when matters of national identity and playing um, uh, the English come into it, they'll be even more so. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, so what about the Welsh side? Well, I caught up with S4C Scorio host, Shauna David, and she told me more about the Welsh preparations and what they're expecting. Shauna, thanks for joining us. What's the reaction like in Wales to, to the game coming up? Yeah, we're really excited, to be fair. Obviously, it's been a while. You know, t- 2019 was the last time that Wales Sea and England Sea faced each other. They were supposed to have a fixture in 2020, but that got postponed because of the pandemic. So it'll be it's really good. And I think because the Cymru Premier is our national domestic league, you know, it, it doesn't get as much coverage as as the National League in, in England. So I think a lot of players really see this game as a bit of a shop window, really, to to showcase, first of all, what our league is about and the standard that, that we, the high standard that we have here in Wales, but also for themselves as well. You know, we've had stories. I think Adam Roscoe is the perfect example. He was a striker in our league who got, um, he signed for Wimbledon not so long ago. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. But I think Wales really helped him on that path because a lot of those opportunities don't really come from our league. It's, it's pretty rare. So we're all really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, it should be a good game up in sunny Carnarvon as well. And un- unlike last time, um, it's it's a full, well, it's a, an open age England team this time. So is that kind of got a bit of reaction in Wales because obviously they're picking some of the best players in the National League. Yeah, I think that was, I don't know if it was a surprise, but England have picked a really, really strong squad, um, which, you know, like, of, of, of course they would. So I think that did raise a few eyebrows that we in Wales we weren't perhaps expecting that strong a squad. Um, but saying that, you know, looking at the Wales squad, we've got 
some very very talented players um and i'm 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 intrigued to see to see how this game goes yeah it was it was two two last time they met i mean who can uh, who can we expect to look out for from the Welsh side in terms of one of the teams well the team in the Cymru Premier who have had the most players selected Penabont, which it's almost unexpected because they're a really young team they haven't been in this league for, for that long they're currently second they've just made it to the Welsh Cup final so they've got some really talented players so they've got Kane Owen they've got Nathan Wood they have got Lewis Harling and they have got Miles Davis. So those are definitely four names to watch out, especially Nathan Wood as a striker. Um, he's been in really, really good form this season. Lewis Harling as well is another one. And Miles Davis, who plays in defence, but he's got goals in him. So they're definitely four names that I would keep an eye out for. Um, someone else, Will Evans, who plays for Bala. He's very, very talented. He's definitely, he can definitely pose a threat in attack. And then another defender, Emlyn Lewis, who plays for Cardiff Met. He's not necessarily a senior figure, but like he's, he's been around for, for a while now. So I think he'll definitely be able to offer some, some stability in our defence. So I think, yeah, out of, out of, oh, Darren Thomas as well, actually, who plays for Carnarvon. They call him the Covey Messi. Um, so he's, yeah, another, another name to, to keep an eye out for. And there'll be some intrigue as well, because obviously on the England side, there's currently three Wrexham players in there as well. Yeah, I know. I know. That's, I think, yeah, we've had a few couple of jokes um, about that. We spoke with Wayne Phillips, who um, does a lot of reporting for um, BBC Radio Wales and Radio Cymru on, on Wrexham. So he knows that Wrexham team inside out. And I think, yeah, it's going to be, like I said, the the standard in that England squad and the the strength will be a, a, a challenge for Wales, um, but you never know on the day. And I think I, I'm just intrigued, you know, to, I, in terms of a Welsh perspective, I watch these players play against each other week in, week out. So I'm really, and the standard in the Cymru Premier has been so high this season. Like you can just tell the teams have really upped their game. It's so much more competitive, mm. despite the fact that TNS won the league by God knows how many points, but elsewhere in the league, it's so tight and it's so competitive. So I'm really intrigued to see how they all gel and, and play together. Hopefully there'll be a decent crowd as well for it. Yeah, so the old Verling Carnarvon, it's one of those kind of iconic Welsh grounds. It's very compact. Um, it's right in the middle of the town centre. Carnarvon is a proud footballing town in in North Wales and that like in the league they hands down get one of the best attendances week in week out I remember during um not lockdown but when fans weren't able to come and watch the games and you'd go to the Oval in Carnarvon and you'd see people in the trees on the houses like anything to to watch the game so that hopefully gives you an idea of, you know, just how football mad they are out there. And yeah, hopefully we'll get a good crowd. It's almost a shame that it's the day after the Wales national senior team. They've got a friendly on the Tuesday night. So it's kind of a shame that this game is the day after, perhaps, because I feel like, and especially, I don't know, it's it's in North Wales. So if fans are coming to watch the game in Cardiff on the Tuesday night, whether they can also go up, to North Wales on the Wednesday night, you know, I, I I really don't know. Maybe it could have been played in Cardiff, like between mm. both games that Wales have. But obviously, I'm not the one that makes the decisions. But I think hands down, we'll we'll still get 
a good crowd and yeah I'd, I'd like to say you guys will get a warm welcome but I, I really don't know <laughs> I'll put my tin hat on then um, <laughs> but if people want to watch it it's on um, it's on S4C is it on S4C's Facebook page is that right it is yeah so it will be on um, so Scoria spelt S-G-O-R-I-O um, which is like the Welsh match of the day we cover the Welsh national team and the, and the domestic leagues here in Wales so it will be live on our Facebook and YouTube page English commentary will be on YouTube but it will also be on um, S4C Click which is like S4C's version of iPlayer mm. um, so you can just log on to the website or download the app and there will also be an option for English language commentary on that as well so yeah it would be lovely if people could could watch because yeah it should be a good game great occasion and great to finally see Wales see and England see back in the in the fixture list and that was Sean and David and as I say I'm going to be there Dickie's going to be there Rob's going to be there we will be certainly doing a special and if we don't do a special we're certainly getting lots of audio from the game so make sure you stay tuned for that Dickie thank you very much for joining us no it's been great to uh, be in your company as ever Luke well, that is it. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. And it's also on Instagram. Until then, have a great week. We'll see you all very soon.